Hello and welcome to the Negroni Talks podcast, brought to you from East London and supported by Campari. Set up to be lively, provocative debates on issues around architecture, the Negroni Talks are hosted at the Venetian restaurant Ombre in Hackney and organised by Architects Fourth Space with the assistance of Rob Fain and Bobby Jewell. The talks are designed to emulate the opinionated and convivial free-flowing debates found in the fin de siècle European Café Society being fueled by food, drink and particularly Negroni. There's no stage, no standing on ceremony and the audience are asked to participate as much as invited speakers and the chair for the event. These recordings are presented as they happen live and like the talks themselves with no frills and little or no editing to bring you the arguments of the evening direct and unfiltered. Thank you for that. Um, so welcome everybody to Negroni Nights slash Festival of Hospitality, the Metaverse. Um, I'm Philippa. Um, I am a trend forecaster, sort of strategist working in the hospitality industry. And I think I'm quite well placed to chair this conversation tonight because I'm probably a bit ambivalent about the whole Metaverse. I think there are some pros and some cons, which I hope we're going to discuss tonight. Um, the metaverse is a really interesting topic. The fact that, that the introduction there was, what is it? We don't know a lot about it, I think really says an awful lot. There are sort of two camps of people, I think possibly half of you in this room or maybe all of you in this room. There's the NFT mavens who know who they are, who've had cryptocurrency for a while and already live in the metaverse half their lives. And then the other lot who go, what the fuck? So before we start, can I have a show of hands? Who is an NFT maven and who is a... What the fuck? So we start with the NFT mavens around the room. We've got what? Two, two, three. Of course, we've got three. One of our speakers is definitely one. Amazing. So what the fucks? Anybody? Anybody? And then maybe some half and halves. Interesting. So hopefully tonight we will have you either stepping from one side of the camp to the other uh, or maybe still walking away and going, well, I have no idea what that was about. Um, but what's really interesting is about a year and a half ago, maybe two years, most people didn't actually know what the metaverse was um, until Facebook decided to coin that word and take ownership of it. And then suddenly Google searches of meta and metaverse went through the roof. Since then, they have bottomed out because there's a lot more important things to worry about, like war in Ukraine and other things. But importantly, the metaverse has moved at speed into something that's in our common vernacular. For the hospitality industry, I don't know how many of you are specifically in the hospitality industry, but for hospitality, it's been on the fringes for a while. There are a few companies who've already launched hotels in the metaverse, and we have somebody here tonight who will keep silent for a little while, who is about to launch a hotel in the metaverse, which we'll talk about later. But mostly it's been the fashion industry who's been really hooking onto it because they were in trouble. No one was buying products, particularly the luxury industry. And so, you know, Gucci and people like that have been in the metaverse for an awfully long time, kind of in a way, commandeering and owning it. But what's really interesting about the metaverse, and hopefully we'll talk about this a bit today, is that actually as much as Gucci are in the metaverse, so is Tom Peterson, who's age 15, living around the corner, or, you know, somebody in every country of every economic um, ability has got the option to go into the metaverse and make a place for themselves. So I think it's super interesting. So, enough 
for me pontificating. But before I do, I'm just going to read a few stats because I think it's really interesting because there's been a lot of discussion about what it is, what's it going to do for us. And I think this just sets the tone before I introduce you to our four brilliant speakers who sit somewhere between NFT mavens, one over there, and a couple of what the fucks here and over there. Um, no offence, guys. <laughs> so I thought this was really interesting. According to Citibank, the metaverse is estimated to have 5 billion users and could value $8 trillion by 2030. Could, I think, is a big point in that statement. 70% of Gen Z, now does everybody know who Gen Z are? And if you don't, we have got a perfect Gen Z expert sitting over there. 70% um, of Gen Z spend time socializing in virtual worlds. So they're already very, very comfortable. And then, you know, they're there for, they are the future generation who are going to be making strides into this world. But the actual name was coined in 1992 before Facebook decided to own it in a novel called Snow Crash, which is super interesting. And it was an imaginary world that could exist in the future. And now... Is it imaginary? Is it real? To be debated tonight. Um, one of the key areas that's really interesting that a lot of people are talking about at the moment is inclusivity within the, the metaverse. 80% of global consumers say that the metaverse is a more inclusive space than in real life. So again, that's something that's really interesting to be thinking about. And then I'm going to finish with this quote from Elena Clow, who's Global Chief's uh, Strategy Officer at Momentum Works. And she basically says of the metaverse... It's been a world that has been catapulted into the focus, but it means different things to different people, which we'll find out tonight. Only by understanding what people want from the space and how they are using it can we really know how best to create meaningful, long-term, excuse me as I turn, not in the metaverse, in real life, um, experiences that meet people's desires for inspiration, individuality, inclusion. The potential is vast. So with that, I would like to introduce you to the first of our four speakers. On my right, we have the lovely Steve. Uh, so Steve is Chief Commercial Officer at 4C. Um, most of you probably wouldn't know who 4C is, and that's completely fine, but hopefully you know the hotels that he's responsible for. Uh, so the uh, Westin in London City and the Canopy in London City, along other hotels which he's uh, responsible for managing and operating in, in the US, uh, UAE, and across, across the UK. What's really interesting about Steve, there's many things I'm sure interesting, but in terms of from the metaverse, <laughs> from the metaverse perspective, when we had a chat, um, you know, kind of last week about his views on this, um, I think you're sort of leaning towards the what the fuck camp, but knowing there's a real opportunity there. And one thing that's really interesting is he runs hotels. His daughter has already built a hotel in the metaverse on Roblox and is already making money that she's able to respend in the metaverse. So it's a really interesting kind of uh, dichotomy that we've got here with someone like Steve, who's a very in your own words, quite a traditional hotelier, who sees the benefits potentially but really recognises that in real life is the main opportunity. So we have Steve here, who, which camp would you put yourself in? Are you somewhere between the sliding scale of the... Slide up.
Trust me to break it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, th I think very much, I'm, I think as Philip has said, to be fair, I, I'm, I'm probably at that age now where I could admit that I'm probably slightly scared of future technology because I can't quite get my head around where it is and where it's going and at the speed it's going. Um, I, I certainly see there's opportunity around certain aspects of the business. Um, but for me as somebody who, the reason I joined hospitality when I was 16 is because I always loved travel. And um, for me, that sort of uh, feel of being somewhere, seeing people feeling something emerging the culture um, is sort of very real for me so yeah I'm, I'm probably more leaning towards the what the fuck side but equally there's probably a reason because I'm not fully understanding of it um, and there's probably a lot of ignorance on my part there but I do see and funnily enough <laughs> since I was first asked to uh, to talk here I've been looking obviously a little bit more into it and I probably feel like there's a little bit more opportunity than I may have initially thought so uh, hopefully I'll, I'll also take quite a lot away today in terms of uh, how we can move forward as an industry and start to embrace certain elements of the metaverse. Brilliant. So on the opposite side of the fence, I'm just going to give you another stat because I think this is really interesting before we come across to Timothy. Um, £1.75 billion have been spent on virtual land in the past year. So Timothy, who is another of our panellists over here in the lovely cap over here. So Timothy is principal at Wellbrook um, Hospitality and co-founder of Eleven Hotel in real life physical rooms in Manchester. But is soon to launch, and I think this is kind of maybe a little bit of a premiere tonight, or if you've seen the Instagram from Festival Hospitality, you've already had a sneak peek, um, a hotel in the metaverse. So obviously, I'm assuming that you're in the kind of leading towards the, the NFT mavens, but it'd be really interesting to sort of, firstly here, could you tell us how much you spent on your land in the metaverse? <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have to answer that question. Um, but more importantly, do you know who your neighbours are? Which land have you bought it in? And can you tell us a little bit more about your future in the virtual hospitality world? Yeah, sure, with, with pleasure. Um, so we, we didn't spend billions of pounds on the, uh, the side. And to be perfectly open and frank, it was in the thousands. So it's a very, it was a very small investment. Um, it's located in the fashion district. And I, I know I've got a, a, a fashion fellow right, right, right on this table. Um, so our, our intention was to be associated with, with interesting brands. And it sounds a little cynical, but one of the reasons why we wanted to open our second site in the metaverse and our first site is in Manchester um, was, was a, a brand move. You know, we saw it as a great you know, um, brand extension opportunity for us. And we are building a, a hospitality brand and we saw it as a, you know, as a way to be able to, um, you know, to grow our credibility. So, um, so we found the, the site and we partnered with a, um, a, an actual architect, so not a virtual architect, but a, a real-life architect to, to build the building for us. Um, and those, some of you may be familiar, but there are you know, restrictions in the metaverse as there are in the, the real world around air rights and so forth. So um, we have you know, a particular height that we could go to, um, and then we spent a lot of time on the actual um, texture of, of the building and making sure we created something that was very beautiful but um, reflective of our 11 um, hotel real-life uh, values. Uh, so we've had a lot of fun doing it, and, and that's one of the other reasons why we wanted to embrace the opportunity within the metaverse is that it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, and our brand is fun too. So we saw a lot of opportunity to discard the shackles of the, of the real-life uh, world um, and really embrace the, you know, the openness and creativity that we think the metaverse uh, offers. I'm sure there's lots of people wanting questions about when can I come and stay? 
in the virtual metaverse? Do you have an answer to that yet? Well, uh, oddly for a hotel, um, you, you won't be able to stay at, uh, at the hotel. So you can come and, and visit and, um, you know, enjoy, um, you know, learning, community building, lectures, um, buy some of our merch uh, in the form of NFTs. To pay, for um, the, pay, to pay back for to, the land. <laughs> indeed, pay for the investment. Um, so there are lots of ways that we're bringing the real life community, um, you know, in connection with the, with the virtual uh, community. So ne- no heads on beds, though. <laughs> Um, and that segues beautifully into our next panellist, is Vishu, who's sitting here. So Vishu uh, is principal at... Um, no, you're not. That's wrong, isn't it? You're associate at Zaha Hadid. Sorry, am I getting my uh, facts wrong there? Um, he's also a lecturer at UCL Bartlett. Uh, what's really interesting about Vishu is he is definitely on the NFT maven side. He did put his hand up. Uh, he's been working with mathematical geometry... Uh, scientific thinking within Zahadid for 15 years, is that correct? Yeah, 10 and years. 10 years, and now heads up sort of, you know, essentially the future for uh, physical architecture in the, in the virtual world. It's really interesting when Timothy was just saying, you know, they, they went and got a real architect. Well, you are from Zahadid, definitely real architects. Could you tell us a little bit about your role and your views on the metaverse? Because I think when we spoke previously, it's fascinating. Uh, cool. Uh, thanks for the invite, and uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's an interesting topic on metaverse. Uh, uh, my my personal interest is in uh, gaming, architecture, and computation. So metaverse is like a natural next step for me, and uh, and that's what like a lot of people in the group, also in the team at the office, uh, believe in. Uh, we believe like metaverse has a lot of opportunities because uh, it is a house for computation. Uh, it, you can do uh, the things we have been doing in the physical world, all the parametric things can be easily applied on the digital. But what is more interesting for us is that it allows for uh, interaction. So you can have people contributing and creating content uh, and interacting with things we do. And Similar to like what people are doing on the Instagram now, like there's an avenue for creators to put and post things. So metaverse for us, or I think most in general definition, is just a 3D version of that. So what would Instagram look like if it was in 3D? That would be the metaverse. And, and that is super exciting in the sense that a lot of people are able to contribute, create assets, and work. But at the back end, we also believe that if there are buildings to be done, like... Uh, uh, the fellow panelists uh, just mentioned, uh, architects should be driving that because it's still a navigate, navigable space and architects should be designing it because they understand how to uh, locate spaces such that it is navigable. And there's a lot of opportunity to design and that's why we are uh, putting a lot of uh, investment into this uh, in terms of our time and working with like a lot of collaborators uh, who are uh, repeat clients, but also new clients coming in and uh, asking us to build the virtual world for them. So it's kind of super exciting. Yeah, for sure, I'm on the uh, side for the metaverse. <laughs> so what's interesting as well, when Timothy was talking, you know, pointing out that there are restrictions in the metaverse, which quite almost like there was a little bit of a like, really? Is there? I thought it was a kind of free-for-all. Um, Zaha Hadid, by its very nature of the designs you've always created, have always been pushing the boundaries of what's possible in the physical world. So do you see there are restrictions in the virtual world, or do you think you are in a position that you could actually be creating the new rules of build? Yeah, that, yeah that's an interesting question, right? Like in, in the sense that when we think about the digital, we think that there's no constraints. Uh, but 
like if you didn't do spaces which were navigable, people generally get lost. And that's kind of the feedback uh, when we uh, design like even games uh, which are to be played online, like people, if they're not able to navigate, they're not able to orient, uh, they get lost. So you need to make it, make the spaces navigable. But at the same time, there are also constraints like uh, similar to height constraints, um, which was mentioned previously. Uh, there is also what is the comp what the computer or the phone can handle, right? You should be able to enter the metaverse with your phones. Uh, so not all kinds of geometries are actually feasible. So an equivalent, so instead of having economic constraints uh, on the physical world, uh, the driver there would be something known as a polygon budget. So the number of polygons which your phone can actually push to your screen is a constraint. And you have to design with that constraint in mind. So similar to all the physical constraints, there will be similar equivalents in the digital world. So that it means that there's no, doesn't mean that there's no constraints, but that constraints are just different. And we need to adapt to that as a designer or as an architect. So the rules essentially are being written by everybody who's centering the metaverse at the moment. I think that kind of like a very vague segue into our final panelist, <laughs> Alan in the corner. So Alan is from Lewis Silken. Um, he's a lawyer, everybody, but don't be mean. Sorry. <laughs> he's a lovely lawyer. Um, but he's here partly because he set up, he's a co-founder of The Collective, which is a really important um, sort of insights and hospitality sort of... Um, <sighs> online supporting it was in real life before covid i guess wasn't it events getting people to have debates and conversations similar to sort of to sort of this um and is well hopefully you'll tell us whether you're pro con somewhere in between you probably, um, as a lawyer, expect me to say that I am somewhere in between. Um, and that's not because I'm sort of looking to, to sit on the fence. But there are, um, I mean, I'm absolutely pro the metaverse and I'm pro new technology and actually us all exploring it. Um, but, you know, we have to go into it with our sort of eyes wide open and be prepared for you know, lots of lots of different risks and, and um, liabilities that might arise. And that is a very legal answer, I appreciate. But th this is a rapidly developing space. And the big question that I get from clients and my firm gets, it, it's all around online safety. And you only have to type in, you know, metaverse and risk or something into Google and you will get, there are absolute sort of horror stories. Now, they're not particularly in one way worse than the sort of horrors uh, that, that you might or children whatever might encounter on Facebook or Instagram or Snap. But there are now new things that need to be thought about. Um, and, you know, the, the, the discussion about who your neighbours are or whatever. And, you know, if you're building, building a brand or a new sort of space, what if there is a bar next door or a strip club or Timo, what, who are your neighbours? You've got a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, but these are real issues that actually brands need to, to, to think about, not just from a reputational sort of point of view, but just widely that kind of, that liability point of view. And what do you think, if there were sort of two or three key things that you think the metaverse is really going to make positive change on? Are there anything from your uh, perspective? I think... I mean, ed education is the thing that really sort of jumps out to me. And Roblox, as, as you know, one of the metaverses, is a really good example of, you know, a platform, a metaverse that is, um, you know, really accessible uh, by um, children. And it's built for children and they can learn how to develop and build. And there's lots of additional um, 
you know, resources on there to create communities. Um, you know, there are, you know, lots of similar examples. And, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, history is it, or, or the ways in which um, we will now learn. It's an amazing opportunity to put on a VR headset and immerse yourself within um, an experience and, and, and a real life world and step back into Roman times and see it in, you know, real life to, to appreciate and understand it. So I think education is absolutely at the heart of it. The other, the other point, and this is a very meta point I appreciate, and that meta, I mean sort of Facebook meta, um, is, the, is the way in which we work. So, you know, we all spend every single day now um, on Zoom, Teams, Hangouts, whatever you use. And they are a form of, um, you know, in real time interaction, debate whether they are a metaverse, but we are, we are engaging in that way already. And you can quite neatly see the extension to how you then sit around a fake boardroom table or in a studio or whatever your place of work might be. So I think that's going to be quite a natural extension that happens quite quickly. Yeah. Timothy, have you got co-working in your Metaverse we, we, Hotel? We do, yes. Yeah, we have the spaces for people to, to get together, whether it's to work or, or to hang out. And again, as I said, you know, creating spaces where we can have people come in and um, you know, talk about hotel-related topics such as you know, sweet, you know, sleep quality and you know, topics that are associated with, um, you know, with wellness. Um, so absolutely, we'll have the spaces for people to, to gather in that way. So as somebody who is very much into sort of maybe more traditional hospitality, what do you think are the disadvantages of these people going and hanging out and chatting in Timothy's hotel versus coming and hanging out and chatting in yours? Yeah, well, first of all, they're not spending money in mine. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's, I mean, it's really interesting, actually, just listening, and particularly the point uh, that Alan was sort of talking around, I suppose, about the, the security element um, around um, sort of the, the meta, I suppose. And as someone with two relatively young kids, 7 and 11, who spend 85% of their life living in the metaverse. Um, and know, Philippe, you mentioned earlier about my daughter, who uh, was very proud of... Uh, about six weeks ago to show me this hotel she'd built on Roblox in the metaverse and that she's making Robux, I think, as a currency um, that they can then use to spend on various other pieces or be that dressing their avatar or be that investing in furniture for their house that they build in the metaverse. So I'm... I find the whole thing fascinating, but equally as a parent, I'm still very, very nervous on the um, the, the security side. So, so that for me is one that um, you know, if, if it wasn't coming up, I was going to sort of mention tonight. I think that's that's very interesting. But hey, look, in the real world, we have big security issues as well, right? You know, we um, we have so we have security departments in hospitality for a reason, as do many other firms, because uh, you know, in, in the world we live in today, everything from terror attacks to um, a violent outbreak that could occur in your bar just between two guests, you know. So these these sort of things are very are very real, and we obviously have to be aware of them in real life as well as as well as in the in the virtual world, as is bullying in the school world versus bullying in metaverse. But I suppose. I'm going off tangent here. Sorry, but uh, I was picking up on a couple of other points. But I think I think the hangout piece is it, it's probably a bit of an extension of. of, of where we've been through COVID and maybe COVID has fueled the metaverse slightly um, in terms of sort of people's acceptance to it, um, people's acceptance to meeting virtually. I mean, I'm, I'm sure many of us around this room this time two years ago were probably sat having a Negroni, maybe not on a Tuesday night to be fair, but uh, on a Thursday, Friday, having having a Zoom drink with your friends or family. And I'm, I'm not sure about you guys, but I think I spent more time socializing with my family through through zoom through covid than i i ever have done since or before but um 
So I, I think the benefits of, of the hangout side, I, th I think, are really strong. I still find it strange, Timothy, you can't stay in a hotel um, in the metaverse. Um, so in my mind, what was going through at that point, is that changing the nature of what a hotel is for, for that next generation? Is it, is it no longer that traditional, if you go back to when sort of the infancy of hotels and hospitality as its industry was to provide a place to stay when you're away from home and to provide an element of home comfort and surroundings where you're comfortable enough to sleep in when you're away from home to actually is the definition of a hotel now something very diff very different moving forward, certainly in the metaverse in terms of... Oh, that's all. Right. <laughs> that would be Karen. Well done. <laughs> At least it wasn't me. It's normally me. <laughs> um... So, uh, so yeah, it, it, hospitality has always been about bringing people together, I suppose, whether that's to stay for the night, be it to socialise in a bar or a restaurant, um, which is, of course, what, what Timothy's Hotel is doing um, in the metaverse. It's still bringing people together. Um, and I, I fully understand that point. But um, the bit I'm struggling to get my head around, and this is just me, my age and my naivety, is, uh, you know, if, if, if I want to go to New York for a weekend with my wife, I want to enjoy the travel, I want to enjoy being at the airport. Maybe Are you not, sure at the moment? He's I was going to say, nightmare. <laughs> maybe not so much <laughs> since COVID, but, um, you know, the, the, the part of the journey, the getting there, the, the sort of the chaos that awaits you when you land in New York, as I'm sure many of you know, and, you know, the experience of restaurants. So, so that part for me, and um, I know when we were talking... Um, Last week, um, you were talking about a company that's developed this sleep suit, I believe, or this um, virtual reality suit that allows executives to, for example, go to the Maldives for an hour during their lunch break and sort of lay in this suit that simulates temperatures and the virtual reality of the beach. And potentially, I can get that from maybe a mental health perspective of stepping away from work, really sort of cleansing the, uh, the mind. But I'm not going to lay in my bed in any kind of suit for two weeks, um, pretending I'm in the Maldives on holiday when I could physically be there. So... Um, yeah, I, I see, again, probably going slightly off tangent, if I reflect on some of the advantages, I think from a hospitality perspective, I think there's a lot of time wasted in sales negotiations um, through people coming in, having to come into the hotels to physically experience the hotel, to see a conference or events or a meeting space or a food and beverage space that they might want to be having an event in or... We live in a world where 95% of people go on TripAdvisor before they even think about booking a hotel um, or an experience. Um, and if that could become more virtual, um, you know, you could, within your uh, virtual reality headset program, to be in one of our hotel's boardrooms or event spaces for 20 minutes and have that virtual show round, I can really see that being a massive benefit. Um, could I see it replacing the need to f physically be there? And that's probably the bit I struggle with. So has anyone got any questions now you've sort of met the panel and started to get an understanding of their opinions? Anyone got any burning questions they want to ask? If not, I've got some burning questions I can ask you. <laughs> hey, um, I have two questions. One, how does one enter the metaverse? Like, how do I get there? And two, can you rent in the metaverse? Or is it only, like, buy and sell economy? Two very good questions. I don't know the answer to the second one, but how you get into the metaverse. I think Vishu is probably the perfect man because he's been opening that door for many years. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, and there are multiple avenues to enter the metaverse, right? So it's not, 
it could be like a website you go into a website log put in the login details and you get in so that's one way of thinking uh, one avenue of the metaverse so metaverse has like different avatars so one is that like if a 3d web page that's one second you could wear a headset and then log into the same space and then you are kind of immersed so let's say uh, this gate was or this door was the entrance to the metaverse so if this was a metaverse you would come through the door and you are in this uh, metaverse so there are multiple avatars or multiple ways to think of the metaverse so because it is so nascent in its technology like a lot of people are investing in time to see what this entrance should be and there are also sequences of entrance even when you enter uh, enter into the metaverse so there is not like there's like a if it is a game then there is like a landing lobby uh, from which the game is loading. So you're in the lobby while you are there. So you can interact with your fellow players and then you go into the game. Or it can be that you'll, you're coming flying in, uh, you're getting a top-down view of the city. If it's the metaverse is for the city, you're kind of getting a top-down view and then you can say, okay, I want to go there. And then you're kind of zooming into that. So like all of these are currently very things which are very conceptual and getting uh, tested and tried and people testing it. Uh, but yes, there's not one way to enter the metaverse. That's my, uh, I think that's the thing to take away from it. I've got a follow-up question. <clears throat> I thought that was a good question. We'll come back to the rent. Um, the first one is like, how did you get in? Um, I was wondering, is it cold there? <laughs> um, what's the geography? Tim Timothy, is it cold? Is it co uh, no, it, no, it's it's very warm and toasty. Because <laughs> you, yes, because <laughs> you you give you give people socks when they stay in your we physical do. hotel. Yes, do indeed. they need the socks when they come into the metaverse no, to keep but, their toes warm? But there is a there's a wearable available, uh, uh, eleven socks. So uh, as as Philip has said, each of our guests has um, has a pair of socks in the bedroom at no charge with eleven embroidered in them. So that wearables are available. We have eleven caps and all these other bits and pieces. So, so it'll keep you warm. So it's warmer than people's homes this winter. Indeed, and cheaper as well. Yeah. Okay. So All also right. to you then, how do you enter, because I think, you know, we have a bona fide metaverse landowner in the building with us today. How do we get into your metaverse in answer to your question as well? How does, what's your name, sorry? Me, Chesley. Chesley, how does she get through the front door? Bad timing to ask him his food. <laughs> when he's told us which pasta he'd like, which we can also listen to. <laughs> He's like the gnocchi with the tomato I'm, sauce. I'm just, I'm just sharing I'm vegan, so I can't have the monkfish. <laughs> so, sorry. Uh, everyone knows that now. Um, uh, yeah, so as, as you shared, so you, you, you walk through the, the, the door of Levin, and um, you know, one of the things we very much enjoyed working on with our architect was, again, kind of supersizing the idea of a hotel in, in, the, in the virtual world. And you know, how can we you know, really riff on, on that idea? So um, to move between floors instead of taking an elevator, we, we kind of have like, a, um, like a, almost a hot air balloon um, or, a, or a blimp, uh, in, in other words, that takes you between the floors. And we've just found ways where you can move throughout the building in a much more, you know, um, you know, engaging and, and fun way. Again, as you're not restricted by by the real world. Um, Karen's got a funny question. Do, do I get in through an app? Yes, like, indeed. So, well. so it's in. Just take a step back for like real. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so before you get into the hot air balloon that takes you from floor one to five, <laughs> what's the front doorbell? <laughs> so it's located in Decentraland. Um, Does which, everybody which, know what decentralized land is? Ha show of hands who do. 
Okay, so back to the mavens in the room. So this is a very kind of basic overview. Do not shoot me for it. But he can tell me. But basically, there's lots of different lands that people can own. Decentralized land is one of them. And essentially, you buy a plot of land, and then you build there. Well, exactly. So that's a whole interesting topic. So at the moment, the advantages of the metaverse is no one technology company actually owns anything fully. There isn't this, you know, in our world, we're not going to get into politics and capitalism too fully tonight, well, we could. Um, but ultimately, there isn't this kind of hierarchy of Elon at the top and everybody else falling behind. Um, there is actually this reality that there are kids who literally have a mobile phone and no bank accounts in Africa who actually own land next to Nike in the metaverse. So when they bought that piece of land for, I don't know, whatever, you know, peanuts on the grand scale of things, and Nike decided to come along five years later and went, oh, I'm rocking up, suddenly their prices went through the roof. Real estate is real, virtually real. Um, and so there is this sort of strange sense of this sort of it's a digital twin, which is also another word that you'll maybe start to hear in the metaverse. People talk about digital twin, which is taking literally what you've got in physical and kind of recreating it in the physical space. Often people are doing things like Timothy was talking about and actually going, well, fuck it, we don't need an elevator, so why not do what we want? And then you change the kind of dynamics. But if you just... There, it's a difficult one, and I think if we could give, if, if, if I give Ishii the mic now, I worry that we might be here for three hours, because he'll know every single <laughs> element about the metaverse, and who owns it, who doesn't own it. Ultimately, there is something that, you can all own it, so put your hand up and ask us your question, because I think you should get your bucks out and start owning it. Do you, I, I, actually, I have no idea, because I didn't handle the transaction. But <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to you on that. So Vishu is building in Liberland, is that right at the moment? Liberland? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and, to, and, and really kind of quickly who's adorable? And I think it'd be interesting to come across to Alan. I hope you have the answer to, can you rent in the metaverse? <laughs> Hello? Yeah, it's an interesting question in, in the sense, like, how do you... End, uh, like Decentraland is one of the metaverse, right? Uh, but there are other metaverses out there, each uh, who are being creating these things. And how do you enter? No, Decentraland is one of the metaverse, so you can download the app. Metaverse is plural. Not that we knew it, but metaverse is a capsule for anything virtual now. Web 3.0 in its so most kind of latent sort of so sense. You, yeah, so if... It can be a web page, so you can just go to decentraland.com, create your account, and log in. That could be one way. So if you downloaded the app, let's say, if you had an app and you downloaded it, and you synced it with your VR headset, then you can log in with your VR headset. So there's no one way to log in. So there are multi, like, you can just imagine it's similar to how a web page works. Like a, each hotel from a Hilton to uh, Hyatt will have their own web page right currently in our you go to their web page if that became 3d that would be the metaverse so if the web at the simplest of sense that would be the equivalence so how you log into a web page you log in it might not be the same way but there will be some login portal getting into your 3d space of a of a web page but just to be clear you physically will not walk through that door just, you know, in case anyone was wondering, no, your exactly. avatar 
may well. And whether your avatar is a, a reproduction of yourself, or whether you want to go in as a kangaroo, that's entirely up to you. But that's kind of the interesting sense of, like, now the metaverse, if you just detached it from the digital and thought about it like as a cyber physical space, then I could be in this physical space. I can enter here, but the virtual reality is something else. So I'm wearing a headset and entering here. So this could be my portal to come in. This could be uh, digitally some, some other space, but because I'm wearing the headset and entering the same space, the metaverse of this is very different. So you could, that could be the other way of entry. So you're still navigating the wor physical world, entering into a physical building, but what I see in here could be completely different to what you see because of our headsets. And that's kind of, that is really powerful because, yeah. To follow up on that, Vishu, um, sorry, I'm, I'm coming in with another question about the geography outside the room. Is, what's the geography of certain metaverses? Is there mountains and rivers and springs, lakes, deforestation, mass starvation, famines and so on. Little fluffy clouds. Yeah, as I said, like, this is now like a very conceptual thing. So a lot of the clients come and say that they want the city to be floating, uh, like things you can't do in the physical world, right? So they want the city to be floating, you want to be fly into the city. Uh, these kind of sci-fi things are currently what you think the metaverse is. But to counter that, uh, I would say like you would, you need the space to be navigable. So for that, like you need to have some relevance of how you navigate a city. You need to have landmarks. Uh, you need to know how to orient yourself. And then you'll be able to navigate the metaverse like how you navigate the physical world. Right. My follow-up question is then, what's the difference between the metaverse and Middle Earth? <laughs> what is Middle Earth? <laughs> that, I think, is a whole yeah. nother Negroni talks there. <laughs> so I'm going to... As the chair, I'm going to move that one on. <laughs> Thank you, Steve, for that. Um, so just to quickly to answer that question, Alan, I don't know whether you have the answer or not. Do you know if you can rent in the metaverse? Have you got any clients who've requested that? It's, um, I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to it, but of course it, 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 it must be possible. I mean, what we are, um, you know, in, in, a, in a simple form to sort of address your question as well, I mean, I like to think of it like, you know, we all use Instagram or TikTok or whatever. There's loads of entry points to that. That could be the app, web, headset. Um, and, you know, really you're, you're buying sort of, you know, depending on how that metaverse is built, whether it's on blockchain or um, some other technology, you're buying, you know, you're buying pixels or, you know, just, just space. It's no different. If you buy a website and sell advertising on your website, as an example, go on any publisher website, there is space that is being sold to a media owner. And, and that is calculated in terms of pixels and banner ads and whatever. You know, you don't control that space. Someone else is temporary renting it to, to display advertising. So all of this stuff is, is possible. But really, as a lawyer, um, it all comes back to the terms and conditions. And each one of these metaverses, like, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snap, TikTok, they've all got completely different terms and conditions you go on there you are you know if you share an image on instagram it, it it can be shared by multiple people you lose control of it that that is a built-in right you, you you know so um you know that's just one example of 
all of the terms and conditions are very, very different. And um, I, I suspect a number of the different metaverses have the right to buy or rent uh, space. because they, It's commercial well, not, business at the end of the day, of I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, on the question of renting, uh, it's like similar to how we have real estate agents in, in the physical world. Now you have real estate agents in the metaverse. So they will, and you can do the same things. You can actually rent a space or you can uh, buy the space. So it, it, it is just an equivalence of what's happening in the physical world. So it, it's just that it is virtual. That, that is the major difference. But the rest of the dynamics are kind of very much similar to what we have in the real world. Hi. Hi. Oli uh, Lazarus. I've, uh, a couple of questions. Are, are the metaverses, do they exist in isolation or are they networked to each other? Um, and then secondly, is, is the colonization of the metaverse, is it analogous to the colonization of our terrestrial world? You know, not we in the early days of that. Is it, is it, can you envisage, do you envisage it running a parallel course and is it in its kind of innocent youth now? I think, just just one thing on that I think is really important, and then I think definitely Vishu is going to, we can see he's chomping at the bit for an answer there. But one thing that's really interesting is, have people heard about de decentralised autonomous organisations, also known as DAOs? How many people have heard about those? So a good few people in the room. So decentralised autonomous organisations are essentially being built in the metaverse by people who are saying the system doesn't work in the real world and actually there's an opportunity to create a better world in the metaverse because if you can fly up floors in blimps why can't you create new structures so in an answer to that actually there is an opportunity for it not to replicate all of what we've done and got not got right in the physical world but there is also always a race to the top and so therefore when meta Facebook slash Meta stepped into the fray, although they aren't succeeding in the real metaverse, they were trying to, to own it. So there is this opportunity, because it is nascent, and because we are at the beginning of this journey, that actually we are rewriting the rules. We, not we in this room, but we can be in this room, but we as, as people today can actually right some of the wrongs. We're still going to have some other wrongs, which will then get righted in the metaverses in the future. But there is an opportunity to really make, make change, and we are seeing that coming through something you might start to start hearing about as well people talking about the better verse which is a green version of the metaverse where it's an opportunity for people to actually do better in that holistic sense of sustainability which is pay people properly ask people their opinions actually collectively work towards better good so whether that's a utopian view or whether the race to the top will still happen because unfortunately the bucks are where the bucks are but it is an opportunity, and I do urge you all to, you know, to if you are interested in this subject, to do look into some of the positives. However, to the other side of your question, which I know Vishu was kind of chomping at the bit to answer. Oh, uh, I, uh, could you repeat it? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> what was the question, sorry? Well, the, the, the first one was whether the metaverses were networked or whether they existed in isolation and can you move between the two, or is, it, or is that something that's just going to happen in the future as, as it does in, in our kind of terrestrial world? Uh, yeah, at the moment, like, like a lot of metaverses are individual, so there's no connection, like you can't go from one to another, but that would happen very soon because, and that, that would be needed. Like if I want to go from one metaverse to the other, it, 
it is a requirement computationally and also for people to go from one space to another just like how i go from maybe like a booking.com to a sky scanner to just book my tickets uh, it will be the same way so each metaverse will have its own you will go to a metaverse for a specific thing so if i wanted to go to a web page for entertainment like let's say movies i would go to a specific metaverse and if i wanted to do because they do it well and if i wanted to do some go and chit chat and talk to my friends and socialize i might go to something like a facebook currently but you'll have an equivalent metaverse to do that uh, but it will it will become important to navigate between one to the other and and that is that would make that the monopoly is not with one uh, technology company because there are so many metaverses and all of them are playing together at parallelly so there will be competition and then that would make it and if they want to succeed uh, they will need to connect together timothy which metaverse are you guys in decentralized, decentralized land and who are your neighbors um, we have vacant we have vacant spot thank you we have, uh, we have vacant spots uh, either side anyone want to buy you can next live next to <laughs> <Yeah>, neighbor <laughs> Uh, but as, as I said, we're in the um, fashion district on, on Fashion Avenue. And, you know, just from a brand positioning perspective, we felt that was the, the best location. So we're hopeful we'll get some good neighbors moving in soon. Any questions? The fact that he just dropped in there. We're on Fashion Avenue because it's good for the brand. I've, I've got a question. A couple of questions. Do you, for the hospitality people, do you think, and for, uh, think you know quite a bit about it already from a fashion perspective. So I'd be really interested to hear from you, like, how are fashion brands working together to make the metaverse work for them or is it about working for everybody because i don't think you know what i mean like people so i think that'd be really interesting to hear and do you think as a collective hoteliers that's about having hotelier coinage that you can spend with you spend with you i can earn it over here and i can spend it with you and can i then spend that with you do you know what i mean just how does that sort of how do you commercialize those things because i think that'd be really interesting to am I can I spend my eleven bucks that I made doing yoga with you in your doing meetings in Westin? Do other fashion brands doing that? Um, put on the spot now. <laughs> Hi. Um, I don't honestly. I don't know. No. If I'm honest. Like I'm looking at it from a community's perspective. So I just FYI, I'm Shanu. I'm a course leader at LCF. Um, so I'm really interested in the metaverse, but I'm really kind of sitting on the fence in terms of how I position myself, in terms of the way I look at it. I completely understand that it's still very speculative. So whenever I talk about it, I think about it in that sense. Um, in terms of how we navigate it from like a fashion perspective, obviously loads of brands have jumped into it and they're kind of exploring it from like a design perspective, also an experiential perspective, also a community perspective, and I think that's what's exciting about the metaverse, also the kind of fantastical side of it, so you said about the blimp, I think that's what's really exciting about the metaverse, is this potential for us to explore the fantastical side of experiencing brands, and I feel like that's what's really exciting, but in terms of how brands maybe interact with each other, that I'm still not so sure on, I mean, I guess it would go through crypto. But currently, I can't go into Adidas and then take my, my, my bucks across to Nike in the, in the no. most simple sense. So it doesn't exist now. So in a way, but there's an opportunity to change that. Exactly. You've got your crypto that you could be spending. That's just like cash, right? 
crypto is basically, yeah, it's exactly. The, it's digital cash and it's also digital on the blockchain. Cash. So you kind of have ownership of certain things and you have that ownership for as long as you want it. So that's quite interesting in terms of privacy and some of the things that came up earlier. But yeah, that's... Is to break down. Thank you. It's to break down the the silos and hospitality is is renowned. I, I think for for being you know slow to to change and, and evolve and not really a, a leader. You know, uh, in in many ways. So I think the metaverse you know provides an opportunity for hospitality to collaborate. You know, outside of its bubble um, and connect more with fashion or music or art and and so forth and just being much more you know broad minded around its its approach to 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 its commercial life and to um, you know to its brand positioning. So I don't really you know think it's the right thing for you know Levin or or other you know brands of our nature to be necessarily sharing thank you sharing this looks very lovely and vegan thank you uh sharing uh you know sharing a wallets with other hospitality brands within the metaverse but there's a huge opportunity to you know share with you know with other um you know creators and uh, and dynamic brands i think within that space we've got a question here can we pass the mic across thanks slightly following on from this is there politics in the metaverse is there sexual politics feminism left-wing people or is it all hardcore capitalism <laughs> Putting Vishu on the spot there. <laughs> maybe yeah. the maybe the law in the corner can help us out a little bit there as well. <laughs> I don't know if I can. Um, I mean, there's all types, and 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 Philippa, you mentioned sort of avatars and whatever. I mean, you can be whoever you want to be in the metaverse, and I think that's what's quite special about it, and that's where. Um, you know, looking at it from that kind of community aspect, it's really really interesting. Um, I suppose. I I mean I don't I don't think they I don't think everyone will always live in harmony. I think different metaverses will probably stand for um, different things, and people might naturally gravitate to a metaverse because it resonates with them and their brand. But to um, Fishy's point. Par- yes, but I I mean we. I mean, you can have those discussions today, right, about what, what is the future of Twitter under Elon Musk? And is it going to be, you know, is it a good thing that it's really, really pro or we think it might become even more pro-speech? Th- th- those issues, of course, are going to, you know, maintain and, and continue in the metaverse because it's, we're all people, we're all individuals, we all have a view and it doesn't matter whether you're an avatar or not, you're going to have a view on something, right? But, I mean, Vishy's point about it all being interoperable at some stage is that that's, you know, that really is the future and we will probably, you know, quite a while from now, we won't be talking about metaverses, we'll be talking about the metaverse and the metaverse is like living in this world and in this world, there are people with differing views and different opinions and... Like as Steve was mentioning, like it is the the technology is to get people together, right? So once you get people together, there will be difference of opinions, there will be political political stance. It it would be natural that you like if there are left wing and right wing to talk about it and discuss about it. It would, but at at the forefront of it because it's an avatar, you could be a different person like from what you are in the physical world. So be having the opinion and not you per se and 
like that could be an interesting dichotomy because the person on the physical world is talking something else but that's for another discussion but uh, in general i think like when you bring people together the platform of a metaverse is to bring people together and you would have these differences of opinion uh, it would bring differences of opinion and naturally there would be discussions about it working okay uh, I was just saying that there are people actively working to kind of make these spaces much more safe and also more inclusive specifically to through DAOs so you mentioned DAOs earlier so DAO spaces are community-led spaces and most of them are kind of built up by specific communities who have specific viewpoints of course there are binaries within that but what's interesting is that a lot of younger people like my students they kind of are part of these DAOs and they kind of are very actively talking about what does Web3 look like? What does the metaverse look like? Are we represented in those spaces? So the kind of fantastical side of, of the metaverse does offer us an opportunity to kind of be more exploratory with that. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge that these spaces are being built by a specific type of person at the moment. And Web2 is very white, cis. So Web3 and the metaverse has the potential to be much more open in that sense. So these conversations are definitely being had and there are people actively working towards that. So I think in that sense, it can be very positive. Hi, uh, perhaps more of an observation than a, actually, no, it's definitely a question. But, but when uh, we start talking about the metaverse becoming more inclusive, surely that means that at some point the metaverse is going to have to be regulated. Um, you look at cryptocurrency and blockchain and how it's all pretty much open, but at some point it's going to have to become regulated. So um, I would assume this is probably a question for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but but just, just it, surely that means that at some point someone's going to have to have some kind of control over what's happening. Yeah, and it's it's a really, really good question. And um, you're spot on, and it's already happening. So often, certainly from a legal point of view, we think about the metaverse, or, or sorry, non-legal, you think about it as sort of uh, exciting new worlds. Um, but we sort of only have to look back at sort of, you know, when the internet first came out, and, you know, um, there was sort of Napster and other sort of BitTorrent sites, right? And people downloading music left, right, and center and not paying for it and going, well, this must be fine because I can do it online, right? Um, no, it wasn't fine. That is copyright infringement. We all know that now. We all have Spotify accounts or whatever. We are all in some way legitimately using music or we watch Netflix and are legitimately getting that content and we're paying for it in, in some way. I know that doesn't address the harm point, but it's... 
it's actually when when this technology was first coming out, people thought, oh, this is a whole brand new world, therefore the law doesn't apply. The law absolutely applies to the metaverse as it does today. The difficulty is the interpretation of the law and making sure that it's keeping up with what the technology is doing so that it can be, you know, applied. So in the UK, we've got the um, this sort of online safety bill is making its way through the House, and um, you know, thankfully, under Rishi Sunak, it is now back on the table. It was scrapped under the trust government, or certainly um, shelved. Uh, so that will come. And you know, interestingly, you know, Philip has mentioned the sort of better verse. Given the power that big tech have, who are really behind metaverses today, it's big tech, there is a real drive to wanting to see them duly regulated, them duly paying taxes, them duly taking steps to moderate, uh, you know, these worlds and their current, you know, Web 2.0 platforms. So there's lots of regulation in the EU. There's a Digital Services Act, which is making its way through the EU Commission. Uh, so, yeah, th th there's lots of stuff. I think everyone's acutely aware of the, the issues here. What will probably happen, which sort of happens today, most of these uh, platforms have to, or metaverses will have to implement self-kind of governance. So, i.e., you see an issue, you flag it, you report it, they deal with it, and the regulator only steps in when there is harm that it doesn't seem that the platform or metaverse is really addressing the problem. So I suspect we'll still see a similar approach. May I ask a question also? Following on what you are saying, as things get more regulated, can we already talk about something like dark metaverse? And are there things are there things going Did you guys hear that over there? So he was saying as um, the metaverse kind of evolves, are we starting to have conversations about the dark metaverse in the same way that the dark web came online and people realized it was drugs, prostitution, et cetera, et cetera, going on? It's a really good question. I don't know the answer to it, but absolutely. Back to something I said earlier, if you can imagine it, it is possible. And I think that we're very much in that space. I don't know if issue has experience where there is talk of dark metaverses that people haven't really come across or there is, you know, particular ways of entering them. And, you know, look, unfortunately, that stuff is going to be out there. I've got a dark metaverse story. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, I'll try. I'll try and be really quick. But um, I, when I was a lot younger, I did a road trip with my brother, and we tried to stop every now and again in American cities that were named after other places. And we stopped in Alexandria in um, uh, Louisiana, which is um, on the north of the, the the state. And we went to this hotel, and you know, I, I thought I'd mention this dark metaverse kind of story in respect to hospitality because we were we, we, we got settled in and it was clean and we went and got some beer and some pizza from nearby and then we sat down and we decided to watch the the free porn channel together <laughs> um, and neither of us had seen a porn movie at that time so we we're watching this porn movie and it was something about nuns in prison and then it stopped and some other program came on. And then we, we looked at the telly and then we looked at each other and we realized that it was exactly the same decor as a hotel room. And basically they were filming porn. 
That's a metaverse. That's a dark metaverse. I don't know. I just don't know. I, was, I don't even know the geography or the door or, you know. But going back to you, Steve, in hospitality, you have that problem, potentially, don't you? Because, you know, hospitality is a leisure industry as much as, you know, tourism leisure. And you go to any hotel and there's always the, 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 the porn channels and all that sort of thing. Anyway, I'll give it back Yeah, I mean, I, um, I won't lie and say I've ever watched a porn film that's got one of my hotels in it, Steve, but uh, <laughs> luckily. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, look, look absolutely, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real life problem. I mean, um, I've certainly had some hotels um, over the time that have had many a dodgy dealing going on in them uh, in, in certain locations, as I'm sure you can imagine, but... Um, it's quite funny, actually. I mean, the days, you, you laugh about it in some way of the days of, of, of porn movies and the old Room Service 3 as it used to appear on the, on the, on the, on the bill uh, for company expense purposes sort of 10, 15 years ago. I mean, um, at the time I worked for um, IHG Intercontinental Hotel Group, 7,500 hotels worldwide, um, and it was, a, it was a $100 million revenue stream. Um, in the same way that Wi-Fi was a $250 million revenue stream. Now that's um, free, but porn isn't. Well, now that's free, and obviously porn is. <laughs> so, um, is it in your hotels, in, in terms of the hotels. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, as, as times evolve, um, revenue streams evolve. And um, quite interestingly, in hotels, it's not particularly metaverse-related, but it's sort of more around the future and where it goes, is that um, 60%, we were talking about this the other week in a budget meeting, but 60% of what was chargeable 10 years ago is now free in terms of an add-on and an addition. Um, so that leaves us less and less and less to be able to charge for. Um, even in five-star hotels, 10 years ago, you'd have still paid for Wi-Fi, somewhere in the region of maybe 19 to $25 a night um, sort of to, to, to access Wi-Fi. And, and now that's seen as a, a need. Um, movies on the television, rental income, be it porn, be it a legitimate sort of kids movie or whatever you might be watching. Again, everybody travels now with their, their iPads or their, their phones and everything's watched um, on the uh, sort of, you know, on the cloud and it's a revenue stream. But I suppose segueing slightly into something that was uh, being talked about earlier in sort of in terms of the, the community uh, part of, of the metaverse. And I, and I really get that, you know, in terms of sort of that socializing online and in, in the lobby of a virtual hotel. But I suppose that the, the flip side that I see of it that, that I'm slightly concerned about coming out of COVID, uh, particularly I think where it's grown, is that sort of almost physical antisocial behavior that's almost sort of coming out of it. And, um, you know, we're, we're in a world where mental health is becoming more and more, seemingly more and more of a problem. Maybe we're just more aware of it and talking about it more um, as a problem than maybe we're, we were doing historically. But um, I do worry, again, going back to my kids and, you know, they, they instead of being outside, this is my, I think I'm now old enough, nearly at 45, to harp the back in the day quote. But, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, when I was a kid, I was maybe out there socializing with two or three of my friends in the street on our bikes or whatever it was we were doing. Whereas now my kids are worried to leave their iPad for five minutes because even if five of their friends have gone off to, have tea or whatever it might be or do their homework there's still seven or eight of them on there so there's sort of you're in this world where socializing online or through the metaverse through roblox or whatever that's sort of the one i'm familiar with um is is almost 24 7 <clears throat> and sort of 
like many families today, we've got uh, we've got friends and family internationally. So you know, my my kids' cousins that they're very very close with live in Canada. So you know, it is almost twenty four seven. And the fact that oh, Damien might be online and phoning me at four a.m. <laughs> got it. Um, so they're quite. I suppose what I'm coming to is they're quite happy sat there on their beds all weekend socialising. You know, shouting for drinks and food as and when they require it, <laughs> uh, depending on how hungover I might be from the night before, depends on how willing I am to give in to that request <laughs> or fight it through. But um, yeah, at what point do, do we think about the mental health element of the metaverse, I suppose, is the, the leading question that I'm asking um, in terms of when, when do we see it potentially crossing the line into the future that people become so physically antisocial and they don't want to leave home and they're quite happy socializing online to sort of the, the, the historic sort of uh, world we lived in before the internet and, and life that probably many of us looking around the room grew up with. So I'm not really sure. How, That's probably a question from my fellow panellists. I was going to say, how many people will check their screen time? You know, on your, on your phone, it says so your screen time this week has gone up by 20% or whatever. And how many people sort of go, oh, shit, I was there for quite a long time? Because essentially that's the same thing, isn't it? We're all already living in that. When you were talking, I was thinking your kids are sitting there on their bed with their iPad. They're not. They're sitting on their bed with their key to the metaverse. Yeah, if absolutely. we're going back to that conversation about how do you enter the metaverse, ultimately that is their door to this world. Yeah. But we're already, most of us, already halfway in that world. I mean, I speak for myself, there's a few people who've raised their, um, their hands there. But I think also just going back to the point you just touched on there about mental well-being. And the metaverse actually has a really interesting opportunity where you can go and to your point earlier, we, when we were talking uh, last week, there is this micro-dosing hospitality that's being talked about, and there's a company called Black Tomato who dabbled in it for a while. They're a, a kind of online travel agency, but for posh people, a lot of money. Um, and CEOs can basically go to wherever they want, up a mountain for half an hour, the Maldives, whatever, for that in their lunch break. They can also have a photograph of themselves taken of that on that holiday and have it on their desk when their PA comes in and says, oh, how was your lunch break? Well, I went to the Maldives, darling. It was wonderful. Um, very strange. But actually, at the same time as we talked about it, it's an opportunity to maybe microdose into this emotional break from our day-to-day. So does anybody like the idea of being able to just disappear into the metaverse just to get away? With our space there by um, you know creating a, a allowing a forum for uh, people to come in and talk about as I said you know sleep um, you know sleep hygiene for example um, having spaces where meditation classes can take place in the in the metaverse online fitness classes as well um, so creating you know a space where it can be a very positive healthy experience both physically and, and, uh, and mentally as somebody whose children hang out in Fortnite or used to before they um FIFA brought out their new game. Um, and also, once you get over 11, you don't play Fortnite. But they had, during lockdown, shared experiences with their friends. They saw Drake play live in Fortnite. They all put on their best clothes. My lads went in dressed in short kilts, long socks, and Christmas jumpers, as did all of their friends. Um, and that was very important at the time. You had to be wearing their... There, the, there was um, these twins, these female twins, and all of them, all of them met in the lobby, all wearing the same outfits. They all went in to see Drake live. Um, there was a huge, an amazing bit of storytelling that went on around this as well. And when they would reinvent the world, it was a huge shared experience. And I watched Drake live with them, going, "That is 
I mean, I'm rubbish because all I can do is jump. I what can't were you wearing? I didn't. I wasn't allowed because I was bad mom. So I'm just like I'm, I have no outfits because I've never earned anything, and I'm not willing to pay for it because I think that's just completely random. But that, and they they have concerts in. Do you know what I mean? It's, and they all, the Drake's, there's a beam, and then they all go and see Drake, and they can jump through him, and they can all jump around, and they can shoot. It's absolutely, but it's amazing. And they were all on head mics with their friends, and yes, they couldn't get out, but my God, they all had fun. And it genuinely had an experience that they now refer back to. So I, I think there's sort of, when you've not seen it or had it, like it's, it's actually quite impressive to watch. So there's not just it's not just about about you know oh you you you're talking to your mates online actually that was a really positive thing. Yeah, just to add on to that, like like the social aspect here is not uh, to experience something which you don't experience in the physical world, right? So it's like in this case, like when you're experiencing Drake online in for free the, for free. Uh, yeah, but also Drake is not the same human size. Like Drake would be like uh, like a giant. So you're, you're visible from like a lot of different uh, directions. So the experience you get on, on the physical, uh, on the digital world shouldn't be the equivalent to a physical experience. Otherwise, otherwise there's no novelty. So the novelty is you're getting new experience and, and hospitality or any recreation or entertainment industry is trying to give that novel experience. And that is where you would stand out. And... Like we do get like clients from the hospital hospitality industry trying to ask us what this metaverse should be. And that metaverse should be, it's not about selling rooms. Yeah, for sure we can market and it can be an avenue for marketing. But what are the novel experiences you give to the person who is coming into your metaverse, which they can't experience when they are in that space? Like let's say it's Dubai or Canada or anywhere. If there, what is the novelty of coming to this space? If there is no novelty, you would lose the customer there. Did you see Drake? Was a giant. Yeah, he was a giant. He yeah. His head. It was brilliant. So famous people are bigger than the metaverse. <laughs> Always. Right. So that means hotels need to cater for big <laughs> celebrities. Yeah. I mean, Tom that, Cruise is huge in the metaverse. <laughs> No, no, I'm just trying to get to, to a train of thought here based on that last question you had, which was kind of like the escapism, the spectacle. And we often thought that celebrities were really small, but apparently they're really big in the metaverse. Um, which makes me think that, that escapism, that spectacle, that kind of entertainment um, takes the metaverse into a zone where um, there's not much production going on other than serving the spectacle. Perhaps, and um, I, w I wonder if there's actually—I wonder if there's actually any workers in the metaverse that might be really small compared to the big celebrities. Timothy, have you got any workers in your hotel? Uh, no workers. No workers. It's a worker-free. you like to see thank you where, where would you like to go how big is your host uh kind of avatar size uh, um and and very well well attired um but yeah you know the space is about having fun and um and not necessarily working so again it's about the spectacle you i think you're exactly right um it's, it's about creating a spectacle so they, can i there's not no no so what, they're, they're what was that question is there a real person behind the host 
Um, so we've, we've programmed them with particular questions and responses as well that, the, that your avatar may ask them. So then I totally get it from like a brand extension perspective and experience perspective, but can somebody just explain like the commercial aspect of it? And like, particularly from your perspective, Steve, like your commercial director of a business, like, can you make money from this? Like, and how? Just explain that element to us, if you can. Who wants to take that one? You're probably, you're probably asking the wrong person yeah, of how Steve you can make money. Steve doesn't I know. Say, I can tell you how you attempt to make money in hotels in the real world, but yeah, it's probably best answered by uh, Timothy, I think, in terms of how it's... Uh, how, how money is made in the metaverse? Um, right, right now we're not making any money. Um, it's a, it's a cost. Oh, similar, um, yeah, indeed. <laughs> COVID, COVID impacted the metaverse as yes. well, did it? Excellent. <laughs> but we, you know, we, we see the commercial opportunity as being, you know, brand awareness, brand credibility, um, and we are, you know, looking to acquire other sites to grow this particular brand. So, you know, all, all of that, um, you know, awareness helps. Um, you know, there, there is commercial opportunity through, you know, through NFTs, and you know, we have an artist that we work with on our Levin property and her art she, she's a local artist her art is uh, hung in the hotel so we'll you know we'll have her nfts available for, for purchase within within the Levin gallery um you know there's the wearables and there are other you know elements that you know can can be commercialized uh, monetized but um it, it's not going to be significant enough to move the, the needle so really for us it's a brand, a brand move just going back though to that statistic because i quickly eat my lovely delicious pasta um where was it? Right at the beginning. According to Citibank, Metaverse is estimated to have 5 billion users and be worth $8 trillion by 2030. $8 trillion cannot all just be brand brand positioning. As it, and I understand that's where a lot of people... So I don't know if you guys all know that Citizen M, which is obviously quite a big hotel now, they were one of the first to create a digital twin sort of... Um, metaverse hotel and again it's got to be a brand positioning brand building but at some point to get to that eight trillion it's got to be a lot more workers in that world Vishu I think, and sorry, before, oh, sorry, Timo. Uh, yeah. just a, a point on that, and I think it really depends on which space you're, you're in, and, you know, some of the, you mentioned Nike, you know, Sotheby's, you know, fashion brands, you know, they are retail brands who are yeah. selling stuff, uh, but with hotels, it's about an experience, about connections, so, you know, you, you can't sleep in the metaverse uh, necessarily, so, you know, in terms of a commodity, hotels are a little more challenging to monetize, I think, in the metaverse versus other industries. But that's interesting because, as I think was mentioned earlier, in terms of when you were talking, Steve, about out. you know traditionally hotel was about you came and slept in a hotel it was somewhere for the night when you were away from home hotels increasingly particularly the lifestyle hotels and for those of you who don't know us we used to work together at the Hoxton hotel back in the day very much a kind of lifestyle hotel leader who's changed that kind of role of what a hotel was about which is a bar a restaurant a co-working space somewhere to hang out so the the role of hotels is evolving beyond a bed for the night so do you <laughs> the metaverse is going to be the, the thing that changes that next dynamic of what hotel and hospitality is potentially about and that there is a new revenue stream that we don't necessarily know about yet. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I think there's that huge opportunity. And as, as you rightly said, you know, the Hoxton was, um, you know, very much a leader in terms of, you know, shifting hotels away from, um, you know, head, heads on beds and, and a food and beverage experience to, you know, a real community and, and a center of their individual community. So um, I, I think that is the metaverse will help to supercharge that. 
um, because again, you know, the transactions that you have in the real life hotel just, you know, just aren't available in the metaverse. So the purpose of those hotel spaces is to bring people together and create community and, you know, and learn and grow and have experiences that are memorable and, and a spectacle. Um, so absolutely, I think it'll, you know, very much help um, us to, you know, help to evolve the purpose of hotels in, in the real world. I was just going to say, Timothy, so quickly off the back of that, it's a really interesting point, going back to the history of hotels, because, again, funny enough, we talked about this the other week, is that if you, if you go back to the 20s and the 30s, certainly the big hotels um, in cities were exactly that. They, they brought communities together. People would go to their local hotel for drinks or dinner. It was seen as a treat and a night, night out and socialising. And then sort of as hotels became bigger and bigger and the tourism became bigger and bigger, sort of as the, the jet era of the 50s hit, it became more about cheap budget travel, bums in beds, getting people abroad, affordability, and that sort of having hotels as almost to coin that phrase, you know, the heart of everything we do within the community and the hospitality sort of vanished really for 50 years. And, and it's now with the sort of introduction of the lifestyle brands, as Philippa was saying, obviously Hoxton was a, a big player in, in, in that piece. Then you have brands like Indigo with IHG, Kimpton, Canopy Hilton, you know, the lifestyle brand is the new. Not so much the new now, but the um, or boutique, boutique lifestyle. I mean, we have luxury lifestyle now, but it's all around lifestyle is sort of what's opening because that's sort of seen in the root of hospitality is how we get back into the community and how we become, you know, that sort of central hub of the community again. So it's, I, I just find it's really interesting that the metaverse is sort of um, taking that point and trying to again build that community, be it virtually as opposed to physically. And I really, I, I really get that point, but to bring hotels back to get, you know, back into the community as a place where people meet, do business, have fun, entertain, be it virtually or, or, or physically. So the question is going to be, how do you monetize it? But that's a big question. So over to you. I, I don't know if you've covered this already, but um, there was a story recently that in West London, um, the council had said you can't build any more housing because the energy grid can't take it. And part of the blame was laid on the fact that you had these data centers that were just eating up energy like you wouldn't believe. And so there's literally a block on housing because of um, energy requirements. So I guess my question, maybe to the panel or anyone else is, are we just burning carbon for no reason? Like wh what the hell? Very good I, I think question. when you put it like that, we should shut it down. <laughs> And that's a very good point because it's one of those topics in the sustainability conversation. Everybody knows no plastic bottles. Everybody knows all of you know those things. But actually, our digital footprint is huge. So don't quote me on this because I know I never get it quite right. But something like if you turn your Zoom camera off when you're Zooming, it saves 90% of the energy that you use. Again, don't quote me on that 90%, but it's very, very high. And actually relates back to if you've got on a plane and gone to America for that meeting, it probably actually used less carbon, ironically. And this conversation isn't actually been having, isn't been having properly yet. Some of the tech companies are beginning to have this debate uh, and recognizing this is really important. You'll see there are certain websites coming out at the moment from different companies which are called low-impact websites, where the colors they use, the way that they draw data from the data centers, and it's on your phone versus being on a server and board, is actually having a big change to the way that we're going to code and there's people talking about green coding don't ask me how you do it but apparently it's a thing um and actually if you're going to code a metaverse and you're going to have a blim that takes you up and down floors and you know no offense to you guys because i think it's a brilliant idea you know and you have all these these virtual things that actually how much power is that adding to 
is it comparable to how much power it costs for you to run, you know, a 150-key room hotel? I have, I, you know, again, those conversations need to be had. But if it's all about a bit of folly, which is kind of what we were touching on over here a minute ago, is actually the where the metaverse has a place is because you can do the things you can't do in the real world. Well, if there isn't a fucking real world because we've gone and burn it down because of the data centers, where do we sit with that? To the floor. Comments, please. Or to the lawyer. Perfect. It, yeah, it, it is a really, really interesting point. And, and in, I think, um, preparation for this, I'd read something like, you know, for, for the metaverses to really operate how we want them to, we're going to have to use a thousand times more computing power than we currently do. Now, I, I have no idea what that means in energy terms, but that's a lot. Um, obviously, those big tech companies, Amazon, um, Google, who really, um, you know, Amazon, Amazon Web Services and stuff, that they, they have huge data centers. They're really the big players here. They are still driving towards, um, you know, net zero uh, by 2025, 2030. And I think you make a really good point. There, there aren't enough proper scientific studies about what our, you know, um, metaversal interactions or online interactions, um, what reduction that is having on us traveling or using the tube or whatever. So there's lots of, um, I think, further studies need to be done to make sure we're comparing apples with apples and not apples with pears. And I think that's, that is probably part of the, the, the problem. So that, that example in West London, I suspect that might be a factor, but I also suspect that is just a particular view from a, a publisher well, trying to... It was a planner who just didn't like the project, basically. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's you know, be honest. We all... How many people in here are architects and, de you know, developers? You know how annoying the planners are. I, I, <laughs> can, I can actually give you a bit of a slight insight into that. Oh. So, um, so the Canopy by Hilton, 340 bedrooms down opposite Allgate Tube Station. So we, we opened that hotel in the middle of COVID. Obviously, a great time to open a 340-bedroom hotel in central London. So we were looking at, funnily enough, we'd been approached by a data center company to put data center, to turn some of our rooms into a data center. And at the time, they were talking about putting, turning 100 bedrooms. Each one would have taken three racks. And those of you in that kind of world would know a bit more about it than me. Um, but bear in mind, this is a 340-bedroom hotel with leisure facilities. Um, we, we got to a point where the power coming into the hotel couldn't provide more than 50 bedrooms. By the time you factor in the air conditioning that's needed to cool the units down, the battery backup, etc. So to, I suppose to give yeah, a little bit of actual fact on that, we could put three racks in 50 bedrooms for the same power of a fully operating 100% occupancy 340-key uh, hotel. So there's definitely to that point, there was a huge power usage to keep this kind of equipment going. And and I'd love to say it was for an environmental purpose very recently that we've um, really looked into hardware costs within our, within our business um, in terms of the energy usage and consumption costs. Um, the reality is it's down to the, the, the price of electricity and utilities. Um, so sort of prior to the, the, the price cap to... I'm sure many of you in, the, in business here will be very familiar with this, but you know, we, we've gone from a world of paying 18p a kilowatt hour for electricity in the Western um, in July 
um, in August. Uh, we came out of contracts on the 31st of July. Uh, that went up to 68p a kilowatt hour. And as we moved into uh, September, that went up to £1.89 a kilowatt hour. So it gives you until the government price cap then came in in October, because, of course, we couldn't get recontracted like many businesses. If you fell out of contract during the peak of this crisis in the summer, there was no way someone was going to contract you. So selfishly, we took a look at all of our historic equipment. And you're not talking about hotels that are old here. You're talking about hotels that have bought this kit 18 months, two years ago when they were setting up the businesses, right? And, and the power consumption of a desktop PC... A modern desktop PC bought two years ago compared to a laptop or an iPad is 79% greater. So we went on a capital investment project to replace all of our desktop PCs with laptops or iPads for front desks. So if you walk into any of our hotels, they're either laptops or iPads, or you'll see people walking around the lobby with an iPad uh, being able to check you in, sort of, again, helped operationally with huge queues at check-in. But we suddenly really woke up and thought, geez, our, our Holiday Inn in Camden, which is a, it's 20 years since the refurbishment, we're having a refurbishment currently, we've got a, an old sound system in there that looks like something from the Ark. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's just purely powering uh, music into our lobby was costing us, in real terms, about £58 a day. And, and I, I, I threw a strop in the meeting and just said, go and buy two bloody Sonos speakers and, and, and a Spotify commercial account, and, and we're sorted. So it, it took us, um, through cost, it got to a point, not through ESG, which I'd like to say it was, albeit we've got a big focus on that now, but it took us to get to a point of energy costing, to really sit back and look at our business and think, where could we be so much more efficient in terms of energy usage? And it, it was at that point it really dawned on us that if we really want to get to this sort of, I suppose, these ESG targets, and we've now committed as a company and, um, that we will be net zero by 2030. So we're 20 years ahead of, uh, of where the government's aiming to be net zero. But to get there is a long, long journey. And uh, I suppose it's a roundabout way to, to your comment in terms of the power usage. Um, I found it fascinating when I really reflected on computing power and the amount of energy that computers take. Um, however, the flip side of that, as I've just mentioned, more modern laptops, iPhones, um, um, iPads, or Galaxies, whatever you may be into, significantly less power. So I suppose it's going to take that a huge shift from traditional desktop PCs into, into truly the sort of more, more modern world. And then maybe it's not quite such a problem, but I suppose the data centers, in a, until they move into the power modules that... Uh, more modern computers can handle. It's still a huge, huge data output. So. Have you got a mic? Thank you very much. Question in the corner. Yeah. Have you deleted your junk mail recently? <laughs> so uh, I was really happy that you brought up the planners because I was wanting to ask all evening, are there planners in the metaverse? Or otherwise, who are the guardians of the polygons? I mean, I think that's definitely over to you when we're talking polygons, Vishu. <laughs> yeah, like uh, there are different metaverses where... Uh, like the decentral land is based on pixels, so they're not. Uh, and so there is a designer behind it, not planners. But like the one we are building, uh, uh, 
it looks at it from the design side of things. Uh, so there are planners. There would be planners to design the master plan. And are they regulating the, these planners? Yeah, in regulating in the sense that it's uh, uh, in the sense of what can it be in the virtual sense? That is it navigable? How is there landmarks you can orient towards? So these kind of regulations do come in. Uh, and then I'm, I'm sure like as technology and the computational power goes up, a lot of the metaverses would also incorporate uh, these kind of constraints and naturally there would be planners, architects working in the metaverse in creating digital architecture. Uh, yeah, I see like I strongly believe like architects and planners have a strong role to play uh, in, in the metaverse because it is, it, it is something special. It's not a web page anymore. It's not a 2D interface. It's a, something special. So someone who has the know of it would play a big role in it. Yeah. <laughs> just the message I just got there was, can we wrap up? Because clearly we're having far too much fun and going. So if there's any burning questions after this one, then we'll you know, maybe a couple more questions and then we'll kind of wrap up. Yeah, um, talking a bit more about architecture and design and progressive design that you can't necessarily do in the physical world, but we're moving it a bit further there. I've bought my metal plot, I've built my meta castle, giant Drake walks by, loves what I've produced. <laughs> he buys one, it's under copyright for a design that I've got. And I think, great, this is gonna move places and go further and further, but is at the moment my current target audience just 15 year old boys? spending money that want to pat, or in girls, you know. Um, who is in the metaverse and who are we producing my real life designs as a 45 year old for in there that's gonna catch someone's eye or allow me to make stuff that we could never make here for cost or gravity, kind of. I think it's a very good question. I think everybody is in the metaverse, but yeah. you're right, there's, a, there's definitely a leaning towards that statistic <laughs> at the beginning of Gen Z. Mm. But in reality, I think we're all in the metaverse already. I don't think any of us haven't stepped across. Even my, my mum in her 70s has gone into the metaverse in its most simple sense. Every time she logs on to Netflix or to her banking app, she's already stepping through that door that we talked about earlier. It's the future, right? To a certain extent, as Steve said at the beginning, you know, talked about his daughter and how she's creating this space. The, the younger generation always sort of force the, the change, but the reality is we've got a huge brands, to Chanu's point, the fashion industry are very much already in there. You know, Timothy's already said they're on Fashion Avenue, which demonstrates, apart from a brand perspective, but also you want to be somewhere where the pe people, whoever these people are, so that you get seen in the first place. So again, there's that gravitational pull. I don't think there's going to be this sense of, well, it's, it's them and us. I think we all have to get in, and it is an opportunity to be a democratized space. And I think just urge everybody to 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 go and visit and yeah, go and definitely. Blimp. And I'm sure it'll evolve into that. I just wonder today for the next year, who's in there? Who's who are we designing for? Who are we creating? Yeah, like all of, and like a lot of the companies we actually design for in the physical world uh, are are also in there. Yeah, yeah. Like the like a lot of the companies we kind of def uh, design for, like let's say Ethereum or uh, Facebook or some other companies, they are also investing. Uh, if it is a decentraland or a Somnium space or Liberland or any other metaverse, there's al always land to buy 
in the digital one and that's where one of the revenue streams are like a lot of people are investing money into into those plots and what is interesting is like in the metaverse is because it is so time driven so a company which is in australia can own the same plot which is in australia because they have a time difference so and that's another another interesting aspect of multi occupancy of the same plot but the companies which are investing in it are also the same clients we have here so uh, the same people it doesn't when mean when you say here you mean physically here physically. versus in australia uh, just yeah. getting clarity yeah physical in the physical world so the same companies are investing in land in the digital realm as well uh, and and the avatars are like in just to clarify that like when i said drake was so big it was only in in a sense of when it was a concert uh, but otherwise the avatar is like general like how we navigate space it's the same the size of the human is the size of the human even in the digital world and they you anyone can log in uh, navigate the space and if they like it uh, they can buy a plot if they don't like it they can go to another metaverse and buy a plot so the dynamics of buying a plot is very much similar to how it is here so you would pay a bit more price if you are closer to a waterfront here right so the same way you would pay a bit more price if you're closer to uh, fashion brands or if you're like if if the plot is actually in the digital world has a waterfront the waterfront plots would be much higher than the one away so kind these kind of dynamics are very much similar to the physical world and the kind of clients you get are also very much similar but only thing is if they are coming as a client who only wants it on the metaverse or they want to first test it in the metaverse and then build in the physical or they already built in the physical and they want a digital equivalent so there are these three kind of clients you would get as an architect and all of them will have different requirements i think last question going oh yeah and then we'll go across can we do this next year all like floating in negroni with a massive ice steve <laughs> please I think that would be really good. Are we floating on Steve at this point? No, or? I think he should be in the well, middle. We can all like bob around. This just Steve, like, not like that a, Steve. Like You're welcome to float as well. We're getting through the bottom of the glass. <laughs> but, uh, I would only, I would only go for a return Negroni talk on this subject if, if, if there was advancements on drudgery in the metaverse. <laughs> I like the idea of mining for fictitious gold, just digging all the time. Just I was going to say, mine, mining mi crypto is a whole nother... I, and then I would go to Steve's virtual hotel, Metaverse <laughs> Hotel, and go in an infinite loop and um, count all my crypto. Um, I might pass on to, to you for the last question. Sorry. Well, no, it's, it was just about... It's just something you said. You said um, it's a democratised space. And I think that's a really interesting thing to say because if you're talking about that amount of money that's involved in your, in your research and, and what I'll, um, just going on what Alan was saying about um, governance. I mean, when there's that amount of money involved, there, there's not a tendency generally to have governance or to self-regulate. And <clears throat> actually, in terms of what happened with the tech companies that we see now, what, what actually was lacking in their structures was democratization of the structures. So the people who are users at the end point, all of us, don't actually have a say in how those those companies regulate themselves, even though they can't do it without us, you know. So you're using the term democratized space for the multiverse. 
it, for me, it would be absolutely essential that it was a democratised space. That is, the people that have ownership of the space, like, like yourself, have direct, have direct input into the govern, governing and functioning, and therefore there's accountability. That's, that, you know, that, that's, what, that's how you can get governance. So is that the case? Is it the case that there is? <laughs> It, it comes back to liability, and and it's it's fine for everyone to say we're sort of um, this is uh, a space we all share and we're responsible for, and we all make decisions. As as you know, that's what it, that's really what's at the heart of a DAO. But but the problem is when things go wrong, which inevitably things do go wrong. Real life metaverse, who do you hold responsible? And, and frankly, if we if we have issues today in a, you know using a Web 2.0 example on Instagram, and there is an issue, there's something that is is a post on there that that's um, offensive or whatever. There is a process to dealing with that. But if Instagram was owned by all of us, how how do we deal with that? Who is responsible? Who is you know we can have guidelines, but ultimately from you know a very very. Uh, you know, long period of time, we've always, there is someone we can take to court, there is someone we can sue, there was someone to say, and currently with Meta, if it all goes wrong, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, at the end of the day, his, his head is... is his well, real um, head or his virtual well, head? Well, uh, I mean... Because <laughs> he does have many he virtual He does have heads. many, and yeah. there's lots, when you Google them, there's exactly. lots of different uh, versions, but... This is where the technology itself actually works because of the blockchain thing. Everything gets recorded in a way that cannot be tricked. So what in the real world, you will need to have evidence, build a case. In metaverse, it's already built by this blockchain technology, if I understand it correctly. So, yeah. that, that, that is a really, really valid point. And, and the blockchain is you know, an immutable record of something that's happened but not all metaverses are built on the blockchain and that's that that that's the point i'm don't know off the top of my head if decentraland is for example but a lot of them are built on you know the unreal engine which is owned by epic games it, that is not a it, it's not a blockchain so, so on the, like if you if you can invest with a crypto in the metaverse then it would have a blockchain which is running it and then you can track uh, all all of the transactions would be trackable by any person. So, yeah, you can't cheat, but um, yeah, it depends on the metaverse. <laughs> so I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of wrap this one up because I'm just sort of looking at the time and spotting that this is clearly a big topic of conversation. We already have at least three more versions of this, one which is cryptocurrency and the blockchain, which is a debate that's going on there, floating on top of Steve in the, with a giant Negroni cloud, um, and then any other subjects that people want to discuss. But I think um, just thank you guys so much. Uh, really interesting debate going from, as I said at the beginning, from the, the kind of those who understand and those of us who are going, I'm not quite sure what the hell's going on, but it sounds kind of interesting and everything in the middle. I urge you to go and have a hangout at 11. That was me plugging him. He didn't ask me to do that. I think it'd be super interesting. We've got the guy in the room. Uh, go and meet the avatar, whether she's small or large, to be debated. Um, but to be, to be continued, I think we're at the beginning of this journey of what the metaverse is. Hopefully, you can all go and have your next dinner party with your friends and family. You can go, oh, I'm so clever. I know everything about the metaverse now. And be really smart. Um, if, you, you know, if not, then uh, sorry about that. But I hope you... <laughs> 
but I hope that this was interesting. The food was delicious. And thank you very much to the panel, um, for Alan, Vishu, Timothy, and Steve. And everybody for being, and obviously, obviously Future the Festival Hospitality guys and the Negroni Talks and everything around us. So thank you guys very much. And thank you to, thank you to you, Philippa, for doing a great job chairing. It was fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more on Negroni Talks, visit our website at www.forthspace.co.uk where you can see all our past and upcoming events or find us and subscribe to the show in iTunes. Negroni Talks, mixing it in architecture.